You know our slogan around here is better practice, better life. But we're taking this belief to the next level. And we've recently announced the creation of a new association. It's called the Best Practices Association. Our association celebrates the mindset that is better practice, better life. This mindset celebrates time, healthy living, personal growth, clinical excellence, and impacting the lives of your patients and your team through intentional leadership. In fact, we are the work-life balance experts in dentistry. The BPA will coach independent dental practices like yours to thrive by sharing best practices and operational habits, behaviors, systems, tools, and insight that lead to profitability and sustained growth, and you can still have a life. So if you're a dentist that wants to surround yourself with great thinkers, let us help you create your own version of Better Practice, Better Life. Go to actdental.com forward slash BPA or hit the link in the show notes. Yo, yo, yo. Hey guys, welcome back to another awesome edition of the Best Practices Show podcast. You ever thought to yourself, I don't know how many days of hygiene I should have in my practice. Should I expand? Should I add another one? How are my current hygienists doing? How is that affecting my profitability? Well, today we're going to share with you the formula. We're going to crack the hygiene code for you and help you determine how many days are right for your practice. We did a recent webinar. It was awesome with Miranda Beeson and Dr. Barrett Straub. And we cover all of those questions. Please listen to this. If you use the formulas and the downloads, it will help you make great decisions for your practice. So I hope you guys enjoy it. And we'll see you soon. Welcome to the webinar. And this is just another um, great educational piece in our work to make sure that we're providing a lot of value, help you guys create a better practice and better life. And a program note, Heather Crockett was originally scheduled as our featured guest and she has influenza B. So that, and we told her, take a break, rest up. So um, I'm excited to, uh, we're, you know, Part of the deal here is all in attitude and we jumped right on and I'm not a hygienist, but I, you will glean some expertise today from uh, some, uh, some very, very sharp people. So let me, uh, let me go to the beginning here and uh, we'll get started. So, and if you registered for the webinar, can you guys see my screen? Okay. I'm there. Yeah. You'll notice you have been given a golden ticket. Now, one of the coolest things that we've done in the last couple of years, if you're not aware, is we've created our own study club. It's called the To the Top Study Club of some of the best thinkers anywhere in the country. I always want, I never wanted to be the smartest person in any room. And now I'm not. Well, actually, I was never the smartest person in any room, but it's very cool to learn from some of the best minds in dentistry. Dentistry is very lonely. It can be a struggle to run your own business. Don't try to do it on your own. And so we meet quarterly. It's one day every quarter on a Friday from eight to three, where we give you the best information and synchronize your thinking. And so you can go back and be a, 
a better leader for your team. And we love it so much. And it's growing now into two groups. It's amazing that, and we're so proud of it that we have a golden ticket and you can come for free, check it out, hang out with us, gather all the information. If you don't love it, you don't have to stay. I know that won't happen, but if you want to come, you can check it out. Uh, and our next workshop is on January I think 26th. It's uh, that Friday. Anything you, yeah. you guys would add, Miranda, Barrett? Well, Kirk, tell the audience once they, and we want them to sign up for this, what's going to happen after they do so? How do they get into the room? Very good. Very good. So um, you will, once you get into the room, you're, you have to sign up for the ticket actually. And then Gina will reach out to you and Gina's going to arrange everything. Okay. She'll be like your personal concierge and get everything set up. Now, there are some dates that are pretty full. So we just can't say this date will work or this date will work, but she'll take you through the process. She'll make sure that you have a seat. We'll make you feel very welcome. So you do have to fill out the form and then Gina and our team will take you through all of the steps one step at a time. So Gina is going to reach out with an email to start. And so answer that email and then she'll guide you and find a date that works for you. So uh, we'd love to have you. So join us. Absolutely. And you won't, you won't be a stranger. Nobody that comes to our community is really warm, welcoming community and open arms. So you don't have to be afraid. Come on in. Absolutely. You won't be a stranger and you certainly won't be disappointed. Another thing that's on the way, uh, and this is not public <clears throat> yet. This is really just for our clients is we've created call, something called the Best Practices Association. It's really everything best practices, a great community of people that share great things. It will be available for the public soon. I can't tell you exactly when, but our clients are already back there working and it's everything we do. We put it right back there so that you and your team can use it consistently, feel supported, great education. So be on the lookout for that. We actually have a mobile app too. So you can consume this with your flying, your cutting the grass, whatever. We're going to bring the best information, best practices from the best practices to you on your phone. Pretty cool. Eric, I think in about two to three days, people will be able to go to our website, find BPA, go to the sales page and sign up. And it's going to be the coolest community in dentistry. Why? Because our people are the best in dentistry. No doubt about it. Our dentists are the best human beings. And so we're all going to be there to help each other. We have a community. We have BPA Live, where Kirk and I come to you and answer questions. We have webinars. We have podcasts. We have tons of tools. It's going to be really cool, and it's going to be your screensaver in between patients. You're going to want to be a member. It's super cheap. So a couple days, by two, three days, Christmas, between Christmas and New Year's, go on our website and sign up, and you'll be seeing lots more. Absolutely. Love it, love it, love it. So let's get started. Today, we're going to be talking about cracking the hygiene code. How many days are right for your practice? Now, this is a very, very big deal. This is actually going to be one of my favorite of the year, because if you can get this formula locked in, and we're going to show you two different practice scenarios towards the end and how to use this formula, we're going to actually give you a recipe, a step-by-step -step recipe so that you're not guessing. And let's talk about the why behind this, because... A successful dental hygiene department is the backbone of a successful dental practice. Don't you guys agree? Miranda, Barrett, what do you think? 100%. Being a hygienist, I say yes. <laughs> no, yeah, that's where we pull our treatment from. That's where we build loyalty, relationships with our patients. So totally agree. Hygiene department is the backbone and making sure that we are making strategic decisions in that process of how we fill 
that schedule, how we keep our team supported is really important in that process. Yeah. I was thinking about this done the drive in is dentistry is a pretty cool profession because you get these things that are called patients and they're really cool people and it's built in. Like they're coming to you every single day. It's a built-in, you know, you're not a salesperson going out there trying to find a new, all these people, they trust you. They believe in you. They're coming to you. And all you have to do is do it right. And it grows with more people like them. So we want you to be on the rails here that this is a pretty unique opportunity. And if you keep it healthy, it's really powerful. And when the hygiene department starts to feel too busy, and we're scheduling out farther and farther. People are like, yeah, we're scheduled out for a year. I'm like, I don't know if that's so good. The first thing they try to do is hire another hygienist or build another four ops. Why is that a challenge? Was I was, was going to say, I knew what Barrett was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> well, you There's think a about, lot of I, challenges. I love to bring uh, business principles into dentistry and, and show that dentistry is no different than a business. So every other business, widget manufacturer, any other industry is looking for recurring revenue and pay and customer loyalty. We have recurring revenue built in, in the form of certainly membership plans, but our hygiene department is a couple of things. One, it's recurring revenue. Patient, uh, patients are coming back and those are our loyal our most loyal patients. They are saying, just by making appointments, I see you, I believe in you, I want to do not only repeat business, but be loyal to you. Now, every business, like day four in business school will be like, pay, nurture your existing clients or customers more than you put effort to finding new ones. So we in dentistry pay a lot of attention to new patients, new patient experience, finding enough. And, and we certainly need that because there is attrition. If we just did equal effort and focus on nurturing our most loyal patients, the ones that are already in our chair, we would have to, we, the need for more new patients would decrease just a little bit. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, um, there's in, in like Barrett said, and like Miranda has pointed to, there's a lot more to this. And we're going to take you through it. Now I am going to ask for a favor from Barrett, uh, Miranda, if you guys would post the CE credits to, uh, the feed. And then also we have several downloads. We're going to give you today, like a block scheduling tool, patient identification tool. And I want to make sure you guys get all of that. And if for some reason you're watching the replay, you don't get that. It's just send us an email and we'll be happy, so happy to send it to you. But the first thing we have to do before you do anything, I know you feel stressed. I know you're like, oh, there's patients everywhere. We're booking really far out is every decision should go back to what it means to your core values. You're going to find that these are great principles. So you can say, what are my core values? Because you're going to be confused. If you're listening to any podcast today, you're part of any Facebook group, everybody's telling you, grow, grow, add more ops, get a second location. And that's great if that's your value system and that's where you want to go. But you have to do what's best for you. I don't like the I, the idea of supersizing. I like the idea of right sizing. There's a right number of people I want here and a right number of activity that I want. And all of you that are listening, they just have to figure this out. And a lot of times it fits with your core values. And the reason they're so important is they're your gut check to make sure that you're making the right decisions. Here's why. There's a lot of times you do something, you go, this isn't even me but I'm going to do it anyway because I got to make some money. And that's the ickiest thing ever because you have to keep up with that decision. One more thing I'll say about making a decision in dentistry. Once you add the four ops, it's hard to pivot back. You go, man, remember how simple it used to be? Now you might feel like I'm a little anti-growing. That's not the case. It's like 
Once you start building something, it's really hard to take away that concrete and the new construction and all these decisions. So all we want you to do is make really good decisions that are congruent with your value system. And you're going to watch things get better all the time. And so it's important when you're growing in size, you know, not only practice, patient-based, team size, facilities, it doesn't fit your visions. It, it may not be the right time to hire another hygienist. I love hiring a new hygienist. I love adding the right people to practice, but it's got to be on the right thing. Now, one more thing I'll point to, because we look at a lot of data, and if you've been watching anything we do, we've been pulling this data from the ADA health policy. And they pulled a lot of dentists and said, hey, listen, looking at the next six months, what are your three top challenges facing your dental practice? Now, if you're watching the screen, 66% of dentists say staffing. I don't like the word staff, but that's what they call it. People are having team challenges everywhere. So the whole idea of adding another hygienist, you might be ready for it, but it's not going to be easy on the other end of things. It's a natural challenge that's out there in the world. And it's hard to find anyone who isn't hiring. Everybody's hiring right now. So be careful before you hire. Anything you guys would add before I go on a patient ID system? No. no. Keep going. You're doing great. <laughs> I like to talk a lot. I love this stuff. I'm very opinionated. So maybe in the last webinar, we, we did the hand things. I put the, you know, the hand we'll emoji. Hands, uh, yeah. Yeah. Raise hands when you have It somebody. was up the whole time, but that's I know, I know, I know. I know. I didn't stop talking. You're like, okay, gosh, we're good. We got to get through this. Patient <laughs> now, one other thing too, is you got to figure out who you want in your practice. And we actually have a patient identification system. We're going to put that in the chat. You can use it to start identifying. And you just can't say more patients. You don't want to be everyone's dentist, do you? You don't want to be everybody's hygienist. Your favorite people care about the same things that you care about. And when you have the right people in the chairs, it's amazing how much more effectively things work, how much you enjoy your day. You hate a day where most of the people in your chair, you're like, these aren't even my jam. I mean, they don't even, they don't even want comprehensive dentistry. I just... Try to, so you got to get the right people in your chair and it starts with an identification system. So we, we've got a, a download that you can use as a guideline, but you're basically going to put them into a couple categories, your A patients, your B patients, your C patients. Now everybody does this. Airlines do it. Restaurants do it. You know, your A patients, that's where 80 to 90% of your production comes from. Your C patients, they're not bad people. They just don't value what you do. They don't, they don't add, they often frustrate. So if you look at this graphic, if you're watching the webinar, 80% to 90% of your production comes from A patients. 80 to 90% of your frustrations come from C patients, but yet you're flooding your practice. And you think everybody knows what you want. No, nobody knows what you want. That's why you have to, you have to create a system that shows you, hey, these are the people that show up and they pay. We're going to call them A patients. People that don't show up and don't pay, it doesn't mean they're bad people. It's just that we don't want them in our practice. Here's why. I like to call people that are C patients damaging dollars. Their dollars better off not collected. Because once you start collecting them, you're losing money. They're frustrated. You might not even be collecting them, especially if you're heavily on PPOs. And it just takes more and more stomach lining to service those people. Your favorite days are when you're working with people that want to be there and value what you do. So I highly encourage you to create a patient ID system. Miranda, your thoughts. So the important part of bringing this in at this point and talking about 
cracking the code? How many hygiene days is we do we need? Why are we talking about patient ID system before we decide to onboard a new hygienist? Let's think about how impactful that is. It's costly to hire someone new. We have training time. We we have if we have a small team, we have a culture fit. What if they don't work out? So before we go down that path and possibly encounter other roadblocks, let's first look at are we just hiring someone so that we can continue to accommodate these patients that, like you just said, are damaging dollars to the practice. So the important part of bringing this in at this point is to say, we're not saying don't hire another hygienist. You may need one. And we're going to work through that in this webinar on how to determine that. But the first thing to think about is we, we have too many patients right now. We're scheduling too far out. But what if we started to eliminate some of those patients that are stressors to the practice, that we are expending extra energy trying to collect or calling repetitively to remind them or confirm their appointment? If we start to instead allow those patients to find a dental home that suits them better and really focus on those A and B patients that we want here, we may not need those additional hygiene hours. So before going down that path of, hiring, the expense of hiring, training, the challenges that can sometimes come with onboarding someone, let's just first make sure that we're serving the right patients and we really actually need that additional team member. Yeah, absolutely. One more thing that I'll add too, you talk about adding hours. A lot of practices are open in the evenings, servicing PPO patients and on the cheapest way to get into your practice. So that's another red flag that you probably shouldn't add another hygienist. The whole reason you went into dentistry was to have a life. And so figuring out this formula, and I'll tell you, once you get your feet underneath you or you work with a great coach, you can start to figure out the math and you can be wildly successful. You don't need to be grabbing at every patient and adding more hours, coming home more and more exhausted. So and that kind of fits into our next um, point about this is we created what's called the PPO roadmap. Now, you're all going to get a copy of this, but here, if you're participating at any level, here's what I'm telling you. It's infiltrating your practice more and more every day, just kind of creeping in slowly and slowly and slowly to a point where you don't even notice it. And now you look at your write-offs and they're sky high. And now your only game is like more, more, more. We got to produce more, more, more. What you're doing is you're not collecting as much. You're collecting less and less and less because, you know, reimbursements aren't going up, they're going down. Some people are writing off as much as 40, 42%, which means you're working at least one out of every three days for free. So please, you know, this isn't anti-PPO, maybe it is, but we're finding more and more people are just wanting to get paid their full fee for what you do. And here's my last thing on this. What you do is so valuable in dentistry. As a dentist or as a hygienist, you have to believe that money spent on dentistry is one of the best investments a human being can make. You should never say to yourself, well, we're just dentists or we're just hygienists. We should probably be cheap. No, that's not why you're listening to this webinar. You're really good at what you do. Charge for it. And a big piece of that is the PPO roadmap. And so you can go back and look at some of our previous webinars where we go through this, but it's a very, very valuable tool where you can see where you are in this game. It'll frighten you. Now I'll warn you, but you can now start to do something about it. So, Hey Kirk, then, just real, just real yeah. quick. One, um, I think you need to make Miranda and I hosts cause we are unable to post any CE information. So let's start there and then we'll try to get everyone their, their CE credits. Secondly, Summarizing this, really, if your if your chairs are full, months and months and months out, that's a good problem to have. 
And it's at that point we have to dig into the data and say, are those, are the butts in those chairs all the right kind of patients I want there? And instead of adding capacity in the form of providers, hours, et cetera, that may be necessary. If you can say, I am filled with A patients that all pay me my full fee, amen, go nuts, add providers, et cetera, et cetera. However, if you're booked out months and months, I want us to think about this part of it. If we're booked out months and months and months, and a lot of those are C patients and or patients that give us just a fraction of our fee, we're actually harmed more than we think because there are A patients calling our practice saying, I want to come to you. And we say, I'll see you in six months and they go elsewhere. And so if our seats are literally filled uh, with some of those C patients or undesirable patients, before we add anything, let's do the data. Let's do the research. Let's figure out who's in these chairs and see if we can, must, before we add anything, massage it so we have more capacity to bring in the A patients, more capacity to the nurture our best patients. Um, and then um, secondly, we also have to know, yes, we are booked out seven months, but what happened the last three weeks? Did that 100% capacity cancel and we're actually at 87%? Because 87% and 100% are very, very different. And often we will see uh, practices who say, I'm booked out X amount of months. But retroactively, if you look back at the last month, the, the day of cancellations and no-shows take a huge effect. And if we just worked on that before, again, we add more chairs and more people only to be 85% full. Um, so there's two kind of things to think about before we make this rash decision of of adding hygienists in ours. Yeah, so well said. And then just to piggyback on what Barrett said is, you know, we've got to have one thing. It's called data because the data can tell us so much. And it tells us when it's the right time. So we're going to show you how this all works. And like I said, we're going to give you an example. But you can find out when the right time to add hygiene hours would be to the practice, not just feelings. If you're just using feelings and no data, it's just very emotional. And it's a very poor way to make decisions. And you start to throw people at efficiencies. So don't do that. And you know why? I've done that before. Don't do that. And then we also have what's called the capacity tracker. This is one of the core tools here that we teach at ActDental. Now, the capacity tracker is very important. I'm going to show it to you in a second. But there's capacity issues. And I'm pretty, I'm pretty opinionated on this, so hang with me. You got to get the maximum capacity, which means every chair in your operatory is full almost every day you work, for the most part, with what you want. But it doesn't necessarily mean just that. In almost every dental practice, maximum capacity is an issue of two things. You got to be aware, what does that even mean? And then you got to be willing to do it. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to give you a tool to make you aware. Now you got to use the tool because I give it to people all the time. And they're like, yeah, 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 I got it somewhere. No, once you start using the tool, you're going to go, because it's not about ability. And here's why people are like, well, you don't understand my practice. It's a, no, everybody can do this. If you use it, if you know what the tool is and you use it, and I'll show you exactly what it is. It's a real simple thing. And I'll tell you where we got it. We got it from Dr. Barrett Strop. It's a simple, like, here it is. It's, you give it to your hygienist once a month. And on the left, they have the days listed out for the month. And then they have hours available and hours with butts in the chair. And that's it. And they do the math at the end of the month and they turn it in. And here's what we wanted to determine. 
what percentage of this time did you have patients in the chair or butts in the chair? And you're going to come up with a percentage and your profitability is directly impacted by optimizing your capacity. Here's what's so cool about this tool. It's just a tool. It's just data. We're just talking. Your favorite hygienists are going to love it because they're never going to want to turn this in and have it say 72% at the bottom. You know, so it's an important tool. As you start to use it, you're going to learn a lot. You might have one hygienist that's at 92% and another one at 72%. Celebrate that. There's something going on over here that we should probably learn across the board. So, and the other thing I want to just share about data is that once you start tracking this, it's not about perfect. If you're a hygienist and you go, man, I'm at 72%. Great. At least you know where you are. Now let's go to 74%. Let's go to 78%. And if you have all of your hygienists at 92%, I promise you, they will come to the doctor and go, stop. We have too many patients. Miranda, your thoughts. I just want to make a point too, that a lot of times when we look at this data, what from a coach's perspective, what I hear from teams is we take it personally. Um, doctors may share on our coaching calls, you know, my, my hygienists were tracking capacity and they started to get really discouraged by the numbers. They started to feel really defensive about the numbers. And I just want to make sure that we point out here that when we're looking at these numbers, what I love about the capacity tracker or any other tool or system that we implement, the, the person is not the problem. If we're at 72%, it's not poor Susie. It's not Susie's problem that she's at 72%. There may be a role that Susie can have in improving that number. It's somewhere within our systems that there's a problem. If we're at 72%, we either have an issue with building value, or we have an issue with our cancellation system, or maybe we have an issue within our recare system, which I know we're going to talk about shortly. Um, maybe there's something going on within our scheduling system. It's not about the person. So I want to make sure that people realize that the numbers really shouldn't be personal. We should take personal accountability for our impact on the systems that affect the numbers, but it's not a personal measure of you individually. It's, it's a reflection of the systems that we have in place in the practice and how well they're working or not working. And then where the personal part comes in is our accountability to how can I personally help impact this number? How can you, how can we collectively? And so we talk about it as a team. Yeah. And the and, reason that every day, go back that slide real quick, Kirk, the reason that every doctor listening should get excited about this very simple form is this. You see hours available down on the left, 109.5 hours with butts in the chair, 98.5. Taking 98.5 to 109.5 costs zero more money. You're already patient paying the hygienist, the overheads uh, already paid, the, the lights are on, the office is open. Adding hours costs adds to your overhead. And um, and so taking this 98 to 109 costs you zero more dollars. It's pure on top revenue. And so that is why, if nothing else, doctors should get excited about knowing their capacity before um, adding hygienist hours. Yeah. So, so well said. And 26 years of doing this, I would tell any dentist, this would be one of the top five systems to put in place in a practice. If you're a scratch start buying a practice, I would implement this right away because it tells you real-time data on how healthy your practice is. And it's a leading indicator of how great things are to come. So we took Barrett's, you know, 
version 1.0. We made it 1.2.0 and you could have a copy of it. So download it, give it to your hygienist. And if you struggle with how to describe it, have them watch this webinar and hopefully that'll help. And we're always here to help you communicate that. Now, a couple other things that you want to learn about capacity is where are your current hygiene schedules right now? And are you using the hours to their fullest potential? And when you start to do that, you can start to make these tweaks and um, it's so powerful. The other thing you want to have in place is a solid cancellation system to improve your current capacity. You can't just sit there and let whatever's going to happen, happen. And the fair truth about administrative team members, we shared this previously, is I have a special place in my heart for admin team members. There's not a lot of great training out there. Your team members have to be so well-trained on how to deal with cancellations that they're reversing the trends of cancellations. And so we did a previous webinar. You can have it and we'll, we'll share a link for it, but you can actually listen to a whole series of things that we created that were seven proven steps to reduce cancellations. A lot of it is verbal skills because team members aren't trained with top-notch verbal skills and they need that. Verbal skills matter. But the thing you have to understand about an empty chair is it's not no profit, it's negative profit. When hygiene utilization drops below 92%, you're dipping into profitability. Yet, on average, 12% of patients miss their hygiene appointment across the United States. So this is a very dangerous thing. And again, it goes back to having the right patients. We got to have a system in place. And then we've got to be able to train our team on how to keep that schedule full. So it's very important. And then you also have to build value in your aligned language. So whatever's being said at the front should be said at the chair, should be said by the doctor. A lot of times you have a doctor go, no problem. And then you go up to the front and you realize it is a problem, but nobody's on the same page. Alignment's huge. Don't you think, Miranda? I do. And this is one of my favorites because I love the language aspect of things. You'll hear people sometimes in a practice say, and I've, I've said it in the past myself when I was chairside as a hygienist years and years ago, well, let's just find a date. We'll pencil it in. Let us know when it gets closer, if that's going to work for you versus shifting our language to we're reserving time with such and such. We want to make sure you can be committed to this time. Will this time work for you? Let's make sure that we're committed to this time. Do you have that in your calendar? <laughs> like, Let's take a look together to make sure that you also are confident that this time is going to work. So on the front end, we can help. And that's where you'll see in that webinar that we had done previously on the front end and, and scheduling the appointment, it has to be firm in our language that we are agreeing that we're going to commit this time to one another in three months, six months, nine months, whenever it may be. And then on the administrative side, from experience sitting in that chair, it's a little awkward. It's a little uncomfortable when somebody calls to cancel, but we have to do our best to not make it easy for them to cancel. And that doesn't mean we don't make it fair and that we're not respectful, but if we just say, okay, sounds good. Give us a call when you're ready to come back in. We're going to have a really low capacity when we're reporting on that data. But I like for team members to just have a little, little piece of verbiage. Oh my goodness, Johnny. I am so sorry to hear that the time you reserved with Jennifer isn't going to work for you anymore. She'll be so disappointed. We were just chatting about you this morning. Tell me, is there any way you can maintain this visit? Is there something we can do to help? 
And just shifting our gears from, okay, to man, we had this time reserved. You reserved this time. Are you sure there isn't anything else that you can do? And I love building in like, man, we were just talking about you at Huddle this morning because we probably did review their chart at Huddle. It's not a lie. We were looking forward to seeing you today. And that's going to, the number of people that will stop and go, mm, let me see if I can make something work. Yeah. It's going to I shift. love that. Yeah. We have hours and hours and hours of this stuff. And again, this stuff is designed to help your team. And one of my favorites is what Dr. Barrett Straub, what he trained his team to stay at the front. Oh, let me, oh, you can't make it. To, is there any chance you can make it? To, well, let me go back and grab Dr. Straub and let him know you're not going to make it. And they'll go, now you won't save all of them, but you're going to let them know this is not okay. You can't let people cancel on you. And so it's important that somebody's got some great thinking up front to keep that schedule full. And then another question is, we got to make it easy for patients to schedule. Miranda, can you share with us your thoughts on that one? Yeah, well, we don't want to make it easy for them to cancel. <laughs> we do want to make it easy for them to schedule. So we want to have things in place, when we, and we'll talk a little bit about block scheduling in just a minute when we talk about systems, but having intentionality, having the space, having the time and the schedule for them to be able to be served for the needs that they have. Um, we want to make sure that and any business repeat loyalty is from our customers, from our clients is going to come from the way that we make them feel and is it easy to navigate? And so we want to make it challenging for them to cancel, but easy for them to schedule and build value around the appointments that they're reserving with us. Yeah. Love that. Love that. And then the question becomes, how far are, how far out are you scheduling? Because it's not good to schedule out that far. And let me explain. Scheduling beyond six months allows you to build a priority list that can help you fill short notice. That's okay. And that's a good way to get started. But there's a fine line between having an opportunity at six to eight months and having your next opportunity at 10 to 12 months. Now, this is a really important concept. Either one of you want to mention some thoughts on that? I'll throw out there some thoughts I have a lot from working with clients. This is a major conversation we have with clients all of the time. Um, our hygiene department's frustrated because they're scheduling, you know, seven, eight months out. And some of it is just the language that we need to be comfortable having with patients and being comfortable saying like, yes, that is my next available. However, I can add you to a priority list. Like you mentioned, the priority list is key because when we do have those cancellations, because yes, while we're going to make it challenging for people to cancel, people do get sick. Their cars do break down. Their kids have to stay home from school and now they can't come. Those things do happen. So now we have a list of very active, engaged patients that we're going to be able to try to move forward into the schedule because they're eager to get in within that due date timeframe that they have in their mind. Now, in the same breath, 10 to 12 months out, that is a bit further than for most people's health. We really want patients to be scheduled. And if we're building value saying we need to see you every four months or every six months to be able to manage this bacterial burden and to keep you healthy, but then we try to schedule them a year from now, we start to have some conflict. So we talk about E minus R equals C, expectations minus reality equaling conflict. We don't wanna have conflict with our patients and having from the message that we're sharing with that ease of scheduling. So this is usually the line where we have to start going up to the top of what we've talked about so far to just say, do we need another hygienist? Because this is gonna be the driving force to a doctor is when the hygiene team starts coming to them and saying, I can't get patients in in a reasonable amount of time. You need to hire someone else. And the doctor's like, uh, okay. 
But if we give them the tools to say, okay, let's check this first. Okay, let's check that first. Do we have this system in place? Have we checked our capacity? Are we really maximizing the hours that we already have? And if we're doing all of these things that we're talking about today, and we're still at nine, 10, 11, 12 months out, now we need to look at this formula's recipe and start to see, maybe we do need to bring another hygienist on board. Yeah. And I'll, I'll just say this. If I was an executive strategist for a PPO company and I didn't care about dentists, I would call this the hook. Like all we got to do is get some dentists to start booking out PPO patients, 10, 11, 12, 13 months. And now the pivot is impossible. They're so future scheduled in a way that they can't pivot. So there's a delicate balance and I don't care anymore. I'm just telling you the truth is that we do have a lot of clients they're looking to move away from PPOs and they do it extremely well with the help of a coach. But this is the hook that reduces the time to do it. They're like, well, I can't do it for like eight months now because they're so future scheduled with the less desirable plans. So you've got to find that balance. This is why looking at data is so important. Understanding your schedule, having regular hours, having the right people in your chairs so that when you say, listen, I'm going to go to a different, one of the coolest parts about this profession is there's no rules. And remember, this is a great country. You can practice however you want. You choose your direction. You understand your numbers. And now with patients booked out six months, you can go, nope, six months, we're changing our hours. I'm going to start having better hours. We're going to start reducing our participation in this plan. So our goal is to point light to all of this stuff so that you can really create a better practice and a better life. Now, the other thing you got to have is great systems. You have to have things that are documented, agreed upon. If you don't have it written down, it doesn't exist. Everybody says, well, I got a system for that. No, where is it? Show it to me. Have we agreed to it? And then you got to refine it in your team meetings. So you've got to have documented, agreed upon systems that this is how we're going to do things, especially as your practice grows. Miranda, your thoughts. So this one's really important because if we're deciding we're bringing a new hygienist on, let's make sure these systems are in place before that person walks through the door. One, to make sure that, again, we truly need these more hours. But if we've already decided that we do need to add the hours and you have someone come on board and we don't have a plan to keep their schedule full, now we're going to be in trouble. Because now we're going to be in a position where we have this additional person who, as Barrett mentioned, it adds overhead, it adds expense to our practice. And we have to work that much harder to ensure that we're keeping that new team member, that new provider schedule full. And when we talk about onboarding versus waterboarding and just throwing them in there, having well-defined systems is going to set that person up for success so that their role and making this new hire successful and making their role in the practice successful is already in place and established as well. So a big, big key here is we want to make sure that we have these things designed and ready to go and are in action and working. Otherwise, we're going to have a new hire and now we have five hygienists and two of them are at 80% capacity, 70% capacity because we're not set up for success from the get-go. Yeah. If you're listening to this webinar, write this down. And I've learned it 35 times and I just started to understand it now. Losers set goals, winners build amazing systems. Let me say that again. Losers set goals, winners build amazing systems. Now we want you to set goals. Don't get me wrong. 
But a lot of times people are so focused on a production goal instead of building a great system, a great structure. When you build an amazing system where everybody's on board, I promise you, you'll achieve greater things than you ever imagined. You'll wake up and go, this is crazy because systems reduce effort. They reduce energy and they improve profitability. Every time you put a system in place, you're saving thousands and thousands of hours in the future. So think about that, like build a great system now. It saves thousands of hours in the future for your existing team members, future team members. It's so powerful. And then you got to get your schedule right. Having every patient come in all the time, whenever they can, that's not a good system. You got to do the dentistry at the right time of day for the best type of procedure. And we created a whole system on this. Now, that's not what this webinar is about. But once you start to put the right procedures in the right type of day for the right type of patient, it's like the trifecta. It's amazing how much easier things get. Your production grows. You go, you'll take the same eight-hour day and go, wow, we produced a lot. But it didn't seem as hard as yesterday where we didn't make anything. So it's awesome when everybody... Now, the big piece of this goes back to the scheduling. Everybody's got to know what you want for the schedule. If you're the dentist, you got to be super clear. This is how I want our days to work. And then your team can go to work. They can go, no, this is when our doctor does these procedures. Let me take you up to the front. I'm going to find a nice 8 a.m. because that's when Dr. Straub likes to do this procedure. I'm going to put you in that time slot and support the mission of the practice so we can get out of here and enjoy our lives. So, and then you got to plan your schedule to work for you. Don't try to fit into other people's lives. The second you try to fit into somebody else's schedule, you've instantly devalued everything you do. Barrett, your thoughts. I was just going to say, before someone adds a hygienist, adding some of that block scheduling philosophy and strategies is probably paramount. Let me explain. It kind of depends on scenario. But if you are booked out seven months with six-month profies, We've got a block schedule before we even add. We've got a block schedule for some new patient blocks. If you're bringing new patients through hygiene, we've got a block schedule, some three-month reevaluations if we actually want to, because we don't want to allow our busyness to dictate the level of care we can provide, right? We want, we need to be able to say, hey, you're not healthy. We are going to do some replaying and scaling. And then you're going to come back in three months. But if we don't have space for that, Back to that vicious cycle. We're going to be in this six-month 1110s for the rest of our career. And then anytime we go to a course, it's like, hey, proactive perio. I'm like, that'd be great. And then you look at your schedule like, I can't do that for a year. And now I've lost my motivation. So even if block scheduling actually pushes that date out a little bit, good. Because now you're going to fill that with a patient's with more um, revenue-generating patients. You're going to be able to do higher level of care. You're going to increase value for your dentistry. Um, and so that block scheduling is really important to do before, even if you do need to bring a new hygienist in, block schedule first. Amen. Miranda, your thoughts? I have three points on the block scheduling piece, especially when it comes to hygiene and working with hygiene teams. So we talk a lot about the restorative schedule with ideal day block scheduling, but when it comes to hygiene, Barrett is so spot on. Surprise, surprise, my spirit person took the words right out of my mouth. Um, however, I always say we're looking for three things. We want to build the day to our production goals, number one, with block scheduling. And in hygiene, we do miss the mark on that quite a bit when we are eight patients a day, like you said, 1110, 1110, profi, 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 profi. And then when we build the value and we start to create systems for diagnosing perio, 
we don't have anywhere to put them. So it's really, really important to build the periodontal blocks in those reevaluation blocks. in. if the doctor is seeing new patients, we need some initial to hygiene blocks held so that they can get into the hygiene schedule within a reasonable amount of time. Cause you're not going to start your dentistry if they're not healthy. So we have to build them into the hygiene schedule and, and that's going to improve the profitability, the production of every single hygiene day. If we now are seeing a perio block for 90 minutes in the middle of that day, each day, the amount of production we're getting off of perio is much higher than what we're getting off of our 1110s. So number one, we're building it to production. Number two, it's going to improve our predictability and efficiency. And so what it's going to equate to is number three, less burnout and chaos and frustration amongst your hygienists which is going to build their loyalty to you and this practice. And it's going to give them a higher level of energy to commit to building and growing the systems and the patient relationships within your practice. When they're not running on empty, they're going to be 200% for you versus where they're struggling to just keep up with what they need to be doing on a daily basis. So I agree with Barrett. Uh, this is a pivotal, critical piece of this whole puzzle is making sure that we have an ideal day built out day after day for the hygiene team. Totally agree. I'm totally picking up what you guys are putting down here and you don't want to kill the golden goose. I mean, you have some amazing hygienists. You got to take good care of them. And when you have all this in place, you're not reaching. You know, we see all these questions that are in these Facebook feeds where a hygienist will go, my doctor wants us to go from one hour to 30 minutes for a hygiene appointment. I'm like, where is that coming from? And you already know how that's going to end. It just doesn't end well. So think well about how you take care of people and how you experience your day. And so strategic scheduling is critically important, not only for efficiency, but predictability. And then we got to have a good recare system. Now, again, we love this stuff. We have tons and tons of systems, but we actually have a hygiene, an entire hygiene recare system guide that you can use. And just is a great team meeting. You can actually answer all of these questions, put systems in place. A lot of times it's going to prompt you for how do we do this? And people will go, I didn't even know that. It's really important to follow the guide because you can come up with aligned you know, agreements on how we do this and how we're not chasing down C patients and how we communicate. So make sure you have a system in place for that and we'll give you a guide to get you started. And so a healthy hygiene department is critical. I like the idea of healthy more so than profitable. And you'll find once it's healthy, it's extremely profitable. It's more about the quality of care, what we're trying to accomplish, how we think, and as you get all this stuff in place, you'll look at the financials later and go, wow, that's crazy healthy financially. But it starts with really good thinking on the front end. And then there's a couple of things we want you to do in the hygiene. You got to create value for the hygiene visit. You also have to pre-appoint for their next visit. And I want you guys to comment on this. You got to have a system for unscheduled patients. So take us through these three. Miranda, you go. Well, creating value is kind of what we spoke to earlier. When we're making the appointment, we're building value and the importance of that next visit, which is why it's also important to make it easy for them to schedule. But building value is going to help them to be more committed to showing up for that next appointment. We're reserving this time. And what are we going to be doing at that appointment? And what is the benefit to you, patient, for that appointment to help them maintain and have the value in showing up for that visit? It's important to pre-appoint the next visit as often as possible so that we're minimizing the amount of work it's going to put in on the back end when they are due. 
and having someone administratively following up, following up, trying to move them into the schedule. And now heaven forbid, we can't get them in for another six, seven or eight months and they should be here now. So anytime we can at the end of a hygiene appointment, reserve their next visit. And if they're coming in every three months or four months, we may be reserving their next three months and their six month. I used to have patients that would do their nine month because they wanted to make sure they hit that three month mark. So we're pre-appointing their next visit. And then if anybody falls through the cracks, maybe they're a college student or it's someone who ended up actually scheduling, but had to cancel. They canceled far enough in advance that now we have this lump of patients, active patients that are not currently scheduled for a hygiene visit. So this is where the hygiene recare follow-up system comes into play. And someone on the administrative team and hygiene team can support this in their downtime. It can be built into their downtime tasks would be reaching out to the patients that are overdue or due to invite them back into the practice. And the really important part of this, and there's two pieces, is consistency. We're doing this on a consistent basis. It's intentionally built into our weekly schedule that on the 1st and 15th of every month, we run this report and we're making that contact and we're documenting those contacts. Because the second most important piece of this, in my opinion, is personalizing the contact that we're making with the patients. So we have to be really consistent about reaching out to them, documenting those attempts to bring the patient back, which can be phone, text, email, all all of the above, postcards, if you're still doing that, I guess. Um, But then, then document anything they do share with you. I'd love to schedule, but my daughter has a wedding come up. We are immersed in wedding planning, maybe when I get past the wedding. So when I reach back in June, because I know the wedding was in May, I can say, how did the wedding go? Are you feeling a little more relaxed? Was it amazing? I'd love to see pictures when you come in next time. When is a good time for you to rejoin us and come back to the office? And so you're going to personalize it as well. Yeah, this is one of my favorite. You're opening up a can of worms here. Is you got to listen to what Miranda just said. Try this if you're listening to this webinar. Go to your computer right after this and just pull a report on the number of unscheduled active patients. It's going to give you chest pain. You might have a number like 567. Now think about this. These are people that are loyal patients to your practice and they're not tethered to the practice with the appointment. So if you go from 567 with consistency and you can personalize it to 547, then to 527, then to six, you know, 487, you're going to find, oh my gosh, it's so much easier than trying to find a new patient from a Facebook ad. So don't do that. You know, it's very cool. Now let's walk Kirk, real quick. Yes. I always like tips that people can implement on Monday. And I got one let's actually do it. Tuesday because Christmas is Monday, but <laughs> um, do this on Tuesday. So create value for the dental hygiene visit is, is not super easy. We have to use the right verbiage. We have to believe in it. We've got to think about the patients, except there is one easy, easy, easy way. And that's simply this. Think about the average recare visit. The hygienist does her thing and she says, things look okay, you should floss more. Dennis comes in and says, things look okay, you should floss more. That builds zero value for why I'm there as a patient. You don't have to get creative. All you have to do is do two things. One, tell them how many points of bleeding. Bleeding's an inflammation. Mary Jo, uh, Susie, you had 14 points of bleeding. We also look at depths. Deeper pockets aren't healthy. You had pockets ranging up to six millimeters. Simply do that. Because what it, what happened towards the end of my career was patients are like, oh, doc, I come in and I go, I got five bleeding points, but they're all under three. I'm like, good job. 
You know, so the patients, people like data, people like scoreboards, we like to improve as human beings. So if nothing else, if you're working on your verbiage and you're, it's awkward talking to patients about intangible things, just say, stay tangible. How many bleeding points? How deep are your pockets? And we want to improve them next time. And we're going to check them. Nothing more. Now Now patients have a reason to come back. I love that. Gosh, I hope you guys are getting as much out of this webinar as I am. So I love this. And I work with these guys every day. So it's good stuff. It just goes to show you, you can't educate yourself enough about this stuff. You know, it's great stuff. Love that bear. So let's go through a couple scenarios. And uh, before we do that, we're going to give you the recipe that we use. Now it's not exact. It's a general ballpark. But if you follow this formula, you can actually come up with a number. So let me walk you through the Act Dental recipe for Actually, how... Kirk, really quick oh, before you do it, it just made me think. So we were just talking about um, unscheduled active patients yeah. and a hygiene recare follow-up system. And what someone may say is, I don't want to call in a hygiene recare follow-up system because I don't have anywhere <laughs> to schedule these patients right. for 10 to 12 months. So I just want to make sure everyone loops into how all of these pieces are pulling together because as we jump into this recipe and we're talking about active patients... That doesn't mean all of them are currently in our schedule. So we need to just make sure we know we're trying to look at the potential, not just like what's happening right now. So we might be at 10 to 12 months out scheduling at only 75% of our active patients, even in the schedule. So if we do start pulling and re-inviting the rest of these active patients back into the schedule, we might then be pushing ourselves at 13, 14, 15 months out. So this recipe is so important. Yeah. And it just made me think we have an amazing coach. Her name is Jamie. And so if you're listening to this webinar, our goal, just get one thing. You don't have to do everything. Get one thing. She took us through what's called the stages of change. And I realized that people can hear something for the first time, but they don't necessarily adopt it. It might take them a while, but as you're consistent, you stay connected to these webinars, you join us at BPA, you're going to be like, oh, I've learned this like 30 times and now it makes sense. And now I have some context and now I have a couple stories. Be patient with the people that are on your bus. They're not learning as fast as you are, or they didn't hear it the same way. So, you know, I used to get impatient. I'm like, did you guys watch all this? Didn't you understand it? And they're like, we didn't understand any of it. Just get one or two things and slowly take them up this ladder. It's powerful. So one of those pieces up this ladder is this. Here's the act dental recipe for how many hygiene hours you need. The first thing you want to do is calculate the number of weeks the office is open and divide it by two. So this is really important. And I'm I'm very opinionated. You should never be open 52 weeks a year. That's silly. You can run a dental practice on 48 weeks a year or 44 weeks a year. That's why if you can't, something's messed up. You need a coach. Okay, so if you run it on 48 weeks a year, let's determine the math on that. We're going to divide it by two. Miranda, your thoughts? Well, I just want to say... We're dividing it by two because most patients come in twice a year. Yes. Very good point. See, surround yourself with great people. They, they explain things often better. Now that's going to give us a number. It's called X. Okay. The second number that we're looking for is Y. And that's the number of active patients that we have in our schedule right now. That could be 18 months and coming out of COVID, it could be 24, 22 months, but usually it's about 18 months. And we're going to divide that by number X. And that's going to give us 
you know, one piece of the formula. And I'm going to show you how this all comes together. And we're going to take Y and we're going to divide it by the number of daily working hours. So if you work eight hours, if you work seven and a half hours, whatever that number is, it should be under eight or under. And that's going to give us a number Z. And that's the number of hygiene days that you need. So let's go through practice one and then hopefully answer any questions. So here's a typical practice that we find. You know, if they're working 50, you know, 50 weeks a year, I don't love that, but we'll start at 50 and we're going to divide that by two, just like Miranda. So that gives us a number 25. So remember, that gives us two 25-week intervals where these people are coming in. So that's number X. So we're going to take that number and the number of active patients that we have is 3,200. So we're going to take 3,200 divided by 25 and that gives us 128. Now we're going to take 128 and we're going to divide by the number of hours that we work, which is eight. And so that gives us the final number of 16. So Miranda, Barrett, any thoughts that you have when you look at that number? Yeah, well, in this practice, basically what this means is if you have four hygienists working full-time four days a week, you have 16 days of hygiene, you are spot on for your active patient count. But if you have two hygienists working four days a week, clearly we're under our capacity in terms of the team members that we need to support the number of active patients that we currently have in the practice. And so this is where, when we look at this, we say, okay, out of 128 hours, eight hours a day, that means we need 16 days of hygiene in order to support our patient base. Do we have that many days open for hygiene or not? It's pretty much that simple once you get down to the end of it all. Yeah. Yeah. Let's just take- remember the number of patients in your software doesn't necessarily mean active patients. So you have to Correct. make sure that that active patient, the 18 month is, you know, before you use this equation, make sure you have an accurate active patient number to use. Very important point. Very, very important point. So let's look at a second practice, a little bit different. So let's say this dentist works 48 weeks. Okay. We're going to divide that by two and that gives us 24. And this is actually my favorite number on the whole thing, because as you start to age, you're not going to want to work 48 weeks a year. You can start to say, listen, I'm going to work 44. Now I'm going to work 40 weeks a year. And now you can start to back into a formula that suits your life and what you want. And let's say we have 1,800 active patients. So we're going to take that 24, we're going to take 18 divided by 24. And that gives us the Y number of 75. And we only work seven and a half clinical hours a day. So 75 divided by seven and a half gives us 10 days of hygiene needed in a week. Thoughts on this formula? Yeah, really the same. This I this one really suits more of a lot of our clients who have shifted to that like seven to three, seven to three thirty time frame. They're working a couple less weeks out of the year. Maybe they have two hygienists, and so two hygienists four days a week are only giving us eight days of hygiene. And we go, oh, I see now. This is why we're we're at capacity. We're at ninety five percent or above on a regular basis. We have all of our systems in place for managing cancellations. And we're, we're still scheduling 10 to 12 months out. Well, this is probably why, because we have eight days of hygiene available. And by this formula, by this recipe, we really need 10. And that helps us to go, okay, so if we brought someone on part-time or how, how would we manage trying to get to this 10 days available uh, per week of hygiene service? Yeah, this is a great team meeting. So if you're watching this webinar, take a screenshot of this. 
and put it up during a team meeting and go, let's put our numbers in here and have a great conversation with your team about number of weeks, number of hours, number of active patients. It's going to prompt you to dig some data. And then why is this number this? Instead of reaching and grabbing for more hours, it's a wonderful formula. Now, again, I'll just say this. It's not exact, but it'll give you a general ballpark of some things to consider when you're building a better practice and a better life. we got a final couple final takeaways on this. The calculations for days needed will be in general terms. Okay, so if an office is has a 40% perio visit percentage, you can see this is going to change things quite a bit. So it also depends on your style of practice and what you want in that respect. So some things to consider. And then it's just the point of this whole webinar is before you make another decision about hiring another hygienist, just be equipped with knowing why how, where are we going? I got the data in front of me. When you make data-based decisions and you stick with your core values, you're going to find you're going to do all right almost every single time. So you guys have any final thoughts before we say goodbye to everybody? The first one is really important is just knowing, you know, if you do see a lot of periodontal patients and the majority of your patients are coming in every three months, if you go back to the recipe, we're doing that at the average active patient count coming in twice a year. So if you have a significant number of patients coming in every three months versus every six, um, then you are going to, you're going to need a bit more hygiene hours or days available than someone who traditionally has the bulk of their practice coming in, in that twice a year interval. It's designed in that general way, but that's probably the bit, one of the biggest takeaways, if you're going to implement that recipe and it still feels like it's off, like let's look at that piece of it as well. This yeah. has been great. I love it. Barrett, your final thoughts. Final thoughts are this is a great process. And like the PPO roadmap, this, a lot of these big decisions are very complex and confusing for dentists. And therefore, they're made after um, gut reactions and, and, and just quick decisions. However, if you just take a deep breath, like most business decisions, and you work through the data one step at a time, you find out how many true active patients you are. You find out what your true capacity is. You run the equations. You uh, look at who are the patients that are filling those chairs. Are they A, B, or C? You start to do this, and all of a sudden, the decision becomes extremely clear and super easy to make, and all, and and then the fear and goes away. And you just make a good decision based on data. You know how to do it. Um, we just, as business owners, if you're listening, you're a business owner, you just have to take a deep breath and you got to do the work. And it's going to take a few days, if not a few weeks, to just do the work, do the data. And then you'll be like, there it is. This was an easy decision to make. You just got to do it. So well said. So we hope you... You guys have enjoyed the webinar. Again, please join us for the To The Top Study Club. Uh, I promise you if you're a dentist, now they're designed specifically for dentists. So uh, I promise you, if you come, you're absolutely going to love it. And uh, we want you to exercise the golden ticket. Be on the lookout for BPA. And then do we have any questions in the feed at all? No questions on this one. I didn't today. see any questions in the feed, but a good point to what you just said is if, if there are hygienists on, because I know we talked about hygiene today, we also yes. do have hygiene departmental divisional events and this year we're bringing back Katrina Sanders. So um, just know that we don't just have events for the doctors. While the To The Top Study Club is specifically for the doctors and the practice owners, you can join us in Milwaukee as well and hang out with Katrina Sanders and learn, learn, learn. Nobody walks away from one of those events without some golden nuggets. 
Yeah, by far the best hygiene instructor probably in the world. And we have her come into the ACT Dental facility. And you can find that if you go to our website, go to events and you'll see where she's listed. Those usually sell out pretty fast. So I'm going to highly encourage you to get scheduled. Come, I guarantee you, you'll love that. So great point. So thank you guys for being on. Barrett, Miranda, that was awesome. Thank that was you. fun. Thank you guys for um, joining us and be on the lookout for other great webinars. We've got a whole lineup of great stuff coming your way after the first of the year. So until we see you guys next time or you hear from us next time, keep building an amazing practice and even better life. So there you have it. Another great episode. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Hey, and thank you for showing up. I just want to thank you for being here and sharing the good word with your friends. And if you're really enjoying the podcast, could you do me a favor? Could you go to wherever you consume the podcast and just give us a four or five star review? Here's what that does. It allows us to find other great people like you. I love this profession so much. I'm gonna spend the rest of my professional life finding great information so that you can consume it and your friends can consume it so that you can create a better practice and a better life. So keep spreading the word and we will see you guys soon. Have a great day, everybody.